My Mr. Brown looks like a like a French art piece. Uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you would have to be a god to know everything now because it's just moving so fast and there's stuff coming yeah. out all the time. You're like that AI in the metaverse that knows everything. <laughs> I doubt it. You guys, you know, the, the listeners can't see me. You guys can see me right now. I am certainly not in the metaverse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, am, I am in meat space. <laughs> Welcome to Ready Layer One, a crypto podcast that focuses on the near protocol ecosystem. This is episode 11. We get to interview Matt Lockyer. He is a developer who got into crypto five years ago, spending his time working with Ethereum, EVM chains, and most recently, two years at Near Protocol. His background includes UX research, teaching, developing standards, and of course, writing code. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Matt. First off, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to do this. You're our second collab. We uh, met with someone named Near Canada. I don't know if my location's on my on my Twitter or anything, but if you dig deep, you'll find out I'm from Canada. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. It's interesting that you, it looks like you were a teacher in a university, then you jumped to Harmony, then you jumped to Nier, and then you ha- now you're a founder of a, a Web3 company. Do you want to share the journey of how you got to that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, was doing, uh, you know, uh, post-secondary that I was doing uh, master's PhD research, and then I was teaching as a lecturer for like seven years, uh, computer science, interactive art, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, multimedia programming, mobile web, game design, game programming. So obviously, like, we're probably going to talk about NFTs, game mechanics and things later. Uh, but basically, that's where my uh, that's where my background is. So I don't really have a traditional like financial background or anything like that. Um, it's a little bit about me as sort of like a, a coder. And then um, very, very, very shortly after I went into, um, you know, private industry and, and started to kind of uh, kind of slang code for dollars, um, I basically met some people and they said they were going to start an incubator for uh, for uh, AI, AI, ML, um, VR, MR, whatever reality you want to live in, and um, and blockchain. And this was like uh, this was back in 2017. It was it was like literally January second, 2017. And I said, blockchain, what's what's going on with what is that? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And um, I had, of course, heard of Bitcoin a long time ago, but and, and I never mind. Like, like everyone else has that story. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I, I I joined up with these guys, and um, the venture studio incubator idea kind of never happened, and they pivoted to doing a uh, kind of like a like a sandbox security token platform that's what they wanted to build and of course with no financial background and no interest in in finance stuff I basically just left and then I joined uh, I joined an ICO consultancy in Vancouver and um, it was uh, it was literally what you would imagine an ICO consultancy was <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There was real development going on, uh, though. So there were devs that we were talking about crowd sale contracts and tokens and and uh, solidity. And, you know, I, I kind of like this is the time that I kind of cut my teeth on all the Ethereum stuff. And then I was sort of um, I had the the communication skills and like the, the the people skills to break down the concepts as well. So I became like Mr. Blockchain. I was helping. I wasn't really doing much of the development, but I was like helping like ghostwrite white papers and helping the sales team and stuff like that. 
Um, well, I, I didn't really like the, the company um, and, and the founders turned out to be kind of shady. Um, and some, yeah. some stuff went down. Um, <laughs> but that was after I left. So I left. I kind of like I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I left. Uh, I left sort of, you know, four or five months before anything really serious happened because uh, yeah. serious stuff did happen. Um, and I went out on my own. So that was like March, 2018. I wrote a article about composable NFTs. Um, I called it like uh, crypto composables. It was really cute and fun. I had some sample solidity code that showed you how to like put an NFT inside another NFT. And then I wanted to like do this with tokens and stuff. Um, so I got to give a shout out to uh, a guy who joined up really quick. We actually built a whole Discord community called Nifty Magicians. It got up to like 400 people. And at the time, it was like pretty, that was pretty active yeah. for crypto in like the early yeah. 2018. I met this guy, uh, Nick Mudgeon from uh, Northern California. And he, he was this, um, he was this guy. He was just starting his crypto journey, getting into Solidity. And he was really, really, really passionate. And he helped me write all these contracts and stuff. So if you go look and you'll see ERC998, uh, that's the sort of composable NFT standard. Me and him uh, pretty much collaborated on on that. And um, that went on for, for probably like half a year. Um, I didn't have a project to launch that would really take advantage of this standard. So it sort of sat in draft mode. I still get people asking me about it all the time. Like I went to East Denver 2022 and people were like, hey, Crypto Composables, I got some questions for you. And I was like, all right, well, that's been that's been a while. Like that's pretty, that's pretty old. And um, but Nick's a great guy, and he actually landed with um uh that he's at Mudgen, M-U-D-G-E-N, and he landed with Avagachis. And he also started this thing called a diamond standard for upgradable contracts. Like he's really smart and he's a great guy. And so uh, he did use uh, some of the composability code and, and sort of like ideas and principles in Abagachi, I think. So that's cool. It's cool to see it like actually get picked up. Um, yeah. And then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of speed up, but that's, that's like my big sort of, Ethereum kind of contribution. And of course the market went down in those years, bear market. I kind of like fell, I even like fell out of crypto sort of disillusioned. Like I was like, Oh no, it's, it's, it's like not, it's not coming back, whatever. Right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> after the 2018 bit, I was out for a little bit too. Yeah. So I thought like, I thought, okay, I got to learn. I, I wanted to learn more about like privacy, security, cryptography. So what I did was, uh, I learned about all the, you know, all the uh, crypto, you know, algos and, and um, instead of going deeper into like the consensus and the networking route, I ended up learning more about um, just more about privacy, security, encryption. Uh, I read a lot of stuff about like, you know, open whisper and like things like that. And, um, and just sort of thinking around that. So I ended up building like uh a rudimentary kind of database uh, where you could basically it was like this it was like signal it was like an implementation of the signal protocol um, I didn't roll my own crypto I just used like AES and all that stuff but it was like an impl impl uh, implementation of the signal protocol that um, it wasn't about messaging it was about it was about you know putting data in databases like basically um, 
so you could use it as uh, a general, like as a programmer, without having to know or implement this this uh, signal protocol. You could basically just use it to store cool. your users' data. So it was kind of yeah. cool. Uh, it was fun, and there, there's a few a few offerings like that nowadays. But of course, like I bumped up against the same thing that all crypto companies bump up against is like if you're really going to hand over the keys to your users, there's a tremendous amount of education and UX and all sorts of stuff that goes around sure, uh, yeah. this this concept. So it was around this time when uh, I got approached by um, Harmony Protocol, um, a great guy, Nick White, who's now with Celestia, um, for for folks that know about Celestia. He reached out uh, and he was in, he was in Korea at the time. And uh, my wife's Korean, so we were going to Korea to visit her family, but it just happened to coincide with Korean Blockchain Week, which I completely didn't go to because of family stuff. Um, right. But I met Nick, and me and Nick, uh, we went for lunch in a in a in a just a regular straight up lunch hotspot in Gangnam, and we didn't know what we were doing, and we like <laughs> no one spoke English, and right. we. We got there and I think we got there at like five to 12 and immediately like it was sort of descended upon by like a hundred people in like black suits, you know, and they all ran in and like filled up all the tables. Uh, I think we got like the last table because we didn't know what we were doing. We were like bumbling around and then we had a great meal and um, it was about, it was like maybe like 10 past one and everyone was gone and they were like trying to kick us out because like, you know. It's just how stuff gets done in Korea. It's just fast. Right. And so I had a great chat with Nick. I ended up joining the Harmony team, lots of trips down to San, uh, San Jose, uh, where they were based at the time. Um, basketball games, soccer games, uh, really good, uh, really good group of people. Um, but then fast forwarding to February, 2020, uh, the last in-person East Denver before uh, East Denver, 2022. And basically, um, I was approached by uh, Dustin Goodwin, who now does talent for Chainlink. Um, and he's a good friend of mine. And I helped out with ETH Denver a lot in the years previous. So 20, uh, 2019, 2020, I planned sort of like the content schedule, which would, which would basically mean like uh, if you saw something on a stage, I kind of had a, like a hand in like when that was and what sort of track it was in and all sorts of stuff like that. Nice. So like hundreds and hundreds of emails, right? Of course, to like sure. speakers yeah. and speakers and protocols and stuff like that. Um, right. So Dustin Goodwin, friend of mine, also helped organize a lot of East Denver's. He uh, he saw me uh, at East Denver. He bounced up. He said, "Hey, I'm doing talent for Near Protocol." He was on a uh, kind of a short-term contract with them before before moving to Chainlink, and he said you should really check them out. They're dope. Blah 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 blah. And then, <laughs> so I at the time I was like, well, you know, like I'm I'm with Harmony, and they kind of depend on on me, and you know, I kind of I kind of kind of like pushed it back. But then I actually on the last day I met Ilya uh, in the lineup to get coffee, and I said, hey, you know, tell me about Near, tell me about what's going on, and. Uh, I was really impressed by Ilya. Um, he's he's an amazing mind, amazing person, really great personality. Um, he's just awesome to talk to. I I can obviously talk for days about crypto stuff, and and he's he, he's just got like he's got way more horsepower than I do. Like he's just right. really. And um, so uh, that's it. Basically, like kind of 
uh, I kind of actually, I went back to Vancouver. I didn't really do too much. I went down to see the Harmony guys again. Well, actually, no, I didn't uh, because of COVID. And then I, I sort of, um, I kind of like sat on it for a month. And then I reached out, started the interview process. And then the rest is history. Nier had a huge event called Ready Layer One. Wait, Nier had an event called Ready Layer One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's funny about your podcast. Hold yeah, on. That's cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Do we need to reach out to them? I feel bad. <laughs> we like nah. literally came up with it. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. But 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 it's <laughs> it's kind of cool that that just came came out because yeah. um this is this is yeah. So so let me give you the context of of Ready Layer One. So um it was just oh. a one-off event and it was okay. it was to sort of um it was to bring near together with a lot of layer ones at the time and to okay. do this online uh, event, right? It happened in May, yeah. 2020. Uh, so you, you can look it up. You can look up the talks oh. and stuff. And um, the organizer was uh, Ashley Tyson, who's awesome. She's like in the space. If, if you don't know her, look her up. It's like at Asher T. Uh, she's amazing. She's awesome. Super warm, super wonderful. And um she organized it uh, for Neo Protocol at the time, and she was kind of advising and helping out with them, kind of getting them on the map with some, you know, crypto OGs and funds and things like that. Like it, this was sort of near just just pre mainnet. It, it's all really early, so it was yeah. really great. It was a good event uh, at the time. I think it had the biggest turnout of a virtual crypto event for for a while too, even after because wow. it was the crypto virtual events were new, um, right. But I think, yeah, it was in the it was in the high six hundreds for for active active viewers, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that great. that it sort of held the title for a while until we got into some really really big crypto online events. But um, join near officially started May first. Joined the wallet team, uh, helped out with uh, two factor. Uh, we have a we have a web wallet, so we had a two factor thing uh, to increase security. Helped out, uh, didn't really do the ledger support because it's just crazy. Um, I helped out with staking. Um, so basically uh, putting staking, the front end JavaScript for staking into the near wallet. Uh, and then um, I did a bunch of other things uh, in and around that. And then I joined the DevRel team at the beginning of 2021. And then I got involved in a lot of the NFT stuff. So going back to my kind of soft spot for NFTs and art and, and games and interactive stuff. So yeah. did the uh, uh, we did the NFT standard. We did the NFT. Um, I did a whole bunch of NFT sample apps. Uh, we did the royalty standard. Um, and then um, from DevRel, I met a bunch of people from Near, and we decided to start a like an nft company as a spin out so what a spin out would be is that we we work at near we obviously had you know we had some near tokens vesting and things like that and you don't want to lose your vesting but you want to build on near but you want more flexibility so hmm. from a legal structuring and just sort of like a a you know embracing decentralization standpoint you you'd start like a kind of your own legal entity or whatever if you want to just go do a DAO, you do a DAO, whatever but you spin right. out so you spin out in the air um at the time i like so i built this like web 2 i built a web 2 api that could just rip out uh nfts and we, we were gonna add you know payments and all this other stuff but at the time i kind of i 
I think I kind of saw, I saw the writing on the wall. Like I thought NFTs were like a little too overhyped and my interest in NFTs and just building NFT tooling and stuff was waning. So I kind of decided to transition out of that. And um, that, oh, that project was called Satori. They're still out there. So you can go to satori.art and, um, and great people still working on it. So, but I just decided to transition out of it. And um, I, I reached out in the near ecosystem. I was kind of looking for stuff and I didn't know where I was going to go. I just, I was just sick of what I was doing. And it was, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, what is it, what is it called? I'm looking for the word. It's, um, it's disingenuous, like to, to mm. sort of keep working on a project when you're, when you know that your own, your own level of passion is waning. So okay. I, I decided to reach out to, uh, Kendall, who is a, a guy that I worked with under the wallet. So going back to when I worked on the wallet team at Near, and he ran a spin out, or he still runs a spin out called Proximity Labs. And what Proximity Labs does is it brings Near native DeFi um, to, you know, to the Near blockchain. And what I mean by Near native DeFi is that it's Rust based smart contracts that use the Near virtual machine. And, and so this doesn't, this doesn't really uh, mean that we don't do anything with Aurora, but Aurora is, of course, uh, it's running the EVM on Near, so it's right. running the Ethereum virtual machine on top of Near. But there is this uh, Near virtual machine. So Proximity Labs is like predominantly focused on research and development of DeFi protocols on the Near native virtual machine. So that's Proximity Labs. And uh, I'm working on a couple of different really, really interesting kind of things. Uh, we want to get uh, basically uh, MetaMask support without you having to touch anything with your MetaMask, uh, but on near native. So, you know, on Aurora, if you want to bridge to Aurora, you basically, you hit the rainbow bridge, you send your assets over from Ethereum right. mainnet, and then you switch your network and boom, there you go, right? It happens in 10 minutes, which is pretty great for a bridge. The experience is awesome. I've done it like I've done it a ton of times, right? And right, um, right. and that's great, but because you you know your your wallet experience is MetaMask, MetaMask. But uh, with Near Native, you have to go from if you want to bridge from Ethereum to Near, which you can also do with the Rainbow Bridge, um, and you still got to wait ten minutes. That's more, mostly Ethereum's problem, um, <laughs> but uh, that's yeah. their fault. Uh, but if you want to bridge from Ethereum mainnet to Near. You have to have a near wallet, which means you have to go get this completely different wallet. And a lot of people just, you know, they don't want to do that. So I'm working on this really low level kind of research development kind of thing on how we're going to bring uh, the ability to basically go from ETH mainnet to near, near native uh, with without actually switching, without moving from your wallet. Right. So we want people to go from MetaMask to MetaMask, but on near. So it's really cool. Because of the simplicity of the wallet, the DeFi aspect within it is super awesome. And I'm glad that you're building on that. Like, for example, using like the, the meta pool, uh, staking your near there and then leveraging that in other ways. Is that also going to be part of the proximity lab? Is that is it all kind of together, like with the ref finance, the meta pool, the OIN finance, all these ones? Are they all going to be part of proximity's sort of ecosystem? Yeah, that that's a great question. Um, so so proximity itself uh will probably not sort of will not try to to influence much of what's going on already in the near ecosystem but we have, we definitely will um 
we will support in our in our products, uh, especially like so. I'm working on this MetaMask thing. It was a little premature for me to like mention this because it's very early, but it's cool. I just thought it would be cool. You know, yeah. it's people understand. You it know, cool, yeah. wallet, wallet, MetaMask, MetaMask, MetaMask near wallet. Like they'll they'll get it. Right. You know, it it would be really cool and a really big boost to the near ecosystem to be able to support uh, MetaMask, uh, even even if you're on. Uh, for example, like MetaPool or you're on uh, Ref Finance, right? So uh, we will definitely support, we, we, we support the near ecosystem as proximity, like in, in this research development stuff. Um, getting back to your, your other kind of questions about how you use all of this stuff in the near ecosystem on the, on the, on the near native DeFi side and how we see it shaping up. And I hope people understand the distinction. Like, so proximity labs is just, we're just we're just people from near research and development. We're we're like kind of like near we're near experts. Like I obviously have mm -hmm. background in the wallet team and Devrel and making all these NFT contracts and all this Rust programming. We got Eugene uh, on the team. He's amazing. You, you probably heard of him before. Uh, we have Vadim. Uh, he's like at Zafadil uh, on at Zafadil underscore are you uh, on Twitter? So he he's wicked. He's he's awesome um, and. We have a front end designer, Radu, we got Kendall, we got Bowen, like, and, and we just do like, we just like are excited about pushing the near VM forward and mm. providing a lot of this, uh, a lot of this open source code and let, letting the community like rally behind it. Um, so I think it's amazing what's been done already without, without our help in terms of research and development. So Metapool, sure. Oin Finance, um, Ref, Ref is, Ref is awesome. Ref is so good. Yeah. It integrates great with the near wallet. So there's so much crossover with the near community. The near community is great. We can we can talk about that and, and how fun it is. But there is so much crossover uh, amongst the near community. So for example, like at, at East Denver 2022, I'm sitting at the table with like the main near community people. I'm sitting there with, uh, you know, obviously like the two co-founders of, uh, SD near and Metapool. I'm, you know, I'm sitting there with everyone, right? And like, so, and they're all like, we're all talking. We're all talking about how we can, um, how we can do what what crypto was designed to do, which is to be yeah. to be composable, and to give people like, you know, the best possible, open, free, transparent, efficient markets, right? And and so, uh, lots of. Um, you know, lots of crossover with uh, with with our community and and all the different you know players and people involved, and there's just a great a great passion there to uh, to build the best stuff. Because it's I I share your you know with like your feeling about sharing the near wallet with people. Like I, when I use near, I actually I still kind of it's not lost on me. Like I still kind of lean back and I go, wow, it's just really easy. Like it's so yeah. fast. It's so quick. I'm, I'm doing like, I do some, uh, you know, I have, like I said, I have a Mr. Brown and then Parasite staking and, you know, I, I do all that stuff. Like I do it from my phone. Like I do it, yeah. I do right. it like I do it when I'm just, uh, I, I just visited, I'm in Vancouver, BC and I have to take a ferry to visit my parents. Like I do that kind of stuff. I stake NFTs while I'm on a ferry, like on my phone, right. you know? Right. And it's, right. uh, it's awesome. Like it's, uh, it's it goes back to kind of like the world the world that um, Ilya and Alex uh, 
you know, they decide they they wanted to live in when they founded Near. They want they want about a billion people. Um, that's that's sort of like a first goal. Obviously, there's more than a billion people on the planet, but they want a billion people to be able to use uh, crypto and blockchain uh, from their mobile phone uh, with some. You know, we all understand like, you know, light clients, trade-offs with light clients, things like that. But they want to keep pushing and pushing until we can have some sort of reasonable security guarantees uh, around around this stuff and just freedom of moving your assets and exchanging value. So that was the original vision, billion people, you know, using crypto. So uh, and I think I think we can get there. Talking about, um, you know, as you moved into near coming from, especially a lot of ETH stuff, what did you see from a technical standpoint that really attracted you to stay in the near ecosystem? Oh, um, that's a that's a fantastic question. So, what actually attra- I I mentioned like um, in that uh, that fifteen hour background origin story, <laughs> I, I mentioned uh, <laughs> I mentioned that. Um, I actually was with Harmony Protocol and then I sat on my hands for a bit and then I jumped into Near. So I actually just had to do my homework. Like I had to look mm. at who are these people, right? I mean, I went to the website and I saw, you know, a wall of, of uh, you know, uh, <laughs> this like sort of programming champions, right? right and right. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, like, like that's that's one thing, but I needed to understand who they were a little bit more, the mission, the vision, the values, things like that. And it, you know, it really resonated with me. And there's a, there's a feeling inside the near ecosystem. It's a lot like, uh, it's a lot like um, Ethereum back in 2016. There's a lot of building. Sure. There's a lot of excitement. That was actually told to us by uh, Ethereum OGs like uh, Fabian Fogesteller, who came up with, you know, ERC20, and uh, Lane Reddick, who's the ETH OG from back in the day, uh, working for the Ethereum Foundation. They said it felt like 2016 ETH. And I was like, that's cool. Um, that's just sort of a, a reaffirmation. Yeah. But, you know, your question about the technology is really, really interesting. So I looked at Near, and then I saw that Near had an approach to sharding that was mm-hmm. different than any other uh, L1 out there. So uh, most sharding approaches uh, basically need to have a beacon chain and then you have multiple other uh, shard chains. And then, uh, you know, you need to rotate your validator set so that, you know, people can't collude on a shard chain. And the val- validators, I think, I'm pretty sure in these designs get, you know, they get rotated in and out of the beacon chain. But if you think about a beacon chain and like a shard chain or, or, or a whole bunch of shard chains, it's a, it's a hub and spoke model. And like, Right. You know, hub and spoke models kind of look like at some point that they'll that they'll get heavy and they'll you know the beacon chain will take on a lot of overhead. So that actually kind of that always kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. I kind of thought, okay, there's like just fundamentally picturing a hub and spoke is like not a good not a good vibe for decentralization. No. It's not a good right. look, right? I, right? I can picture the diagram in my head. It doesn't look like decentralization. So. I kind of just thought about that from a technical point of view. And I was like, yeah, that's probably there. There's probably like maybe a better way. Um, so Nier's way of, uh, of doing this is basically to, uh, to have one contiguous blockchain, um, but basically include like shard chunks in it. So like if there's no transactions happening on a shard chain, then, you know, nothing will happen. They won't even get included. Um, and I mean, people could obviously... <laughs> 
don't take my word for it. Like go read about like nightshade and all of this stuff uh, to yeah. go a little deeper. But as I understood it, I looked, I, I saw one blockchain and as a developer and also, especially coming from near, uh, sorry, coming from harmony, I, I was already on a sharded Ethereum blockchain with a beacon chain and all this stuff. And I, I was talking to the, the developers there and I just, I, I saw the challenges of coordinating across shards and things like that, especially as a developer, as a programmer, having to be shard aware. And, right. you know, Near does this all through its account model. And it's basically like, it's like having like a, it's like having an ENS built in to the, the whole thing, but also you don't have to be shard aware. Like if I know your contract is, you know, uh, is like foobar.near, I can just, I can just send stuff to it. Like I don't, right. I don't need to know it's on shard, you know, 42 or whatever. I'm dropping like some really lame, like uh, <laughs> no, I can't, I can't, 42, yeah. <laughs> but, but you get, you get where, you get where I'm going with this. Right. Yeah, so yeah, I don't have yeah. to, I don't have to code for that. I don't have to account for that. And that really attracted yeah, me as well. The, the developer yeah. experience um, and the, the talking about sort of like a sub, a sub mission of near was to make uh, the most developer. It started out with like, you know, scaling of course, and getting a billion people on the blockchain. Sure. But and and using crypto, but then it it actually transitioned around the time that I joined um, in 2020 to actually being about uh, the easiest blockchain to build on. Um, so the developer experience is like basically paramount with Near, and it's not to say that Near it's not to say that Near is going to miss out on any of the the L2 goodness of having you know things like. Um, like sidechain, parachain, whatever you want to call them, like like basically L2s that are more yeah. scalable, like app chains. Um, we have those initiatives going on, but they're but they're it's not a near core thing. Like near core is focusing yeah. on just the near blockchain, and we leave that up to the community. We leave it up to projects like um, like Octopus Network, right? For example, where right. you can take a substrate. You can take a substrate chain and you can deploy it on near. Um, so, and we have the EVM, which is the Aurora, which is which is actually Aurora is another one of those spinouts that I mentioned before, uh, basically running on near, right? So yeah. the Aurora EVM runs on top of near, um, and but near like near, you know, either it's called Pagoda now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so near Inc is now Pagoda and then near foundation is still obviously near foundation. Um, but they don't concern themselves with that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Zero knowledge proofs, for example, like we have like the Blake, uh, whatever it's called, like it's like Blake two FS or something pre-compile embedded inside of near, you can do zero knowledge proofs. You can do, uh, you can do all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, just, just like you would do on Ethereum, tornado cash, yeah. all that stuff. I don't think it's been done yet, but you can do it. And so, right. um, but you know, like obviously near core will include that, but we're not, we're not about to run out and build like an entire, uh, you know, like ZK sync kind of L2 on top of sure. NIR, right? So sure. I hope that kind of gives you the lay of the land, but like the near team, like technically, I mean, <clears throat> it's still just like one of the, I think it's one of the smartest, uh, best teams out there. Um, you know, like I, I don't want to be too, uh, like too maxi or too weird, and not mention other people. But like, 
you know, shout out to the parody polka dot team. I mean, they have like rust skills for days. Um, they're obviously like one of the strongest, uh, technical teams in the space. I would just say that, like, I don't know how to measure this. I don't know if we take it right. everyone's brain and we cut it out of their head and we put <laughs> it on scales. But right. basically, like, you know, um, the parrot. I would say like the parody and the near kind of core team are like are like basically neck and neck for uh, yeah. for raw horsepower and programming ability. So I don't know what to say, like, other than uh, you know, when it comes to Rust, when it comes to um, when it comes to building this stuff, um, the near team just looks stellar. And so that's what, yeah. that's what keeps me within the near ecosystem. I'm going to be, I'm going to be totally candid. I'm going to tell you guys that when I was in this limbo phase, uh, back in, uh, December, January, and I didn't know yeah. where I was going to land, I was actually looking at other, um, other chains. And I was, sure. I was even considering, uh, like I was, I was intrigued. I was considering, uh, walking away from, from near and, uh, I just couldn't make it make sense because um, for a number of reasons. And then going back to your question about um, about the technicals, uh, I couldn't make it make sense because some of the technology that, that the other chains are using, I just don't like, and I just don't yeah. agree with it. Right. So, okay. and I, I made a joke to Ilya. Um, I'm not trying to sh- throw shade on any other <laughs> projects in the space. But I made a joke to Ilya because me and him were trying to find a resolution to like, where should I land? And we were on a call and I said, I said, man, you know, can I swear? Yeah. I'm only going to, I'm only going to swear once. (laughs) My wife's telling me not to swear so much. Um, But this is exactly what I said to Ilya. I said, I said, you know, man, some of these other offers are pretty attractive. uh, You know, so I'd like to find something comparable in the near system, but I got to be honest with you. I look at these other things and, I don't write, I don't want to write fucking go code. <laughs> and, he, and, and, you know, he laughed and it's a big, it's a big thing because, you know, like uh, there's obviously language disputes, like with programmers all over the sure, place. Sure. And um, I looked at, I like, I've used go for years myself. I've looked at the go Ethereum code base. I've, I, I, yeah. I was really looking at it deeply when I was with uh, harmony, which is built, built on uh, Geth and go Ethereum. And um I looked at it for my own projects and I mean, I do a lot of like, I do a lot of op stuff and sort of hacking and hobby stuff in my spare time. But like, and like, obviously like when you're doing, I do serverless stuff like sometimes. And uh, when you're looking at running, you know, running a function in the cloud and you, you know, you, your head starts to think about costs and the economics of it and spinning it up like a million times. And I think about, I looked at go, I looked at rust and I was just like, all right, no, no question, no comparison. Like, right. I mean, it's not always about that at the end of the day, though. Like, it's about the ergonomics of the programming language, the safety of the programming language. But I think Rust has a steep learning curve. But once you get over it, you, um, it, it, uh, I think it just makes you a better programmer. It's really cool. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say, I, I think what's really interesting. So you know my background is heavy in, in web two still, and, you know, I'm doing a lot of that. And so as I've been trying to learn more, you know, I went through the whole thing of like trying to, you know, build on the EVM and play around with that years ago. But as I came over to near, I think what's really impressed me is how thoughtful all the tutorials are and about the, how it's helping the transition. Not only is it like really excellently built, but like the other stuff, like the non like 
you know, I don't have to just be like in hardcore, like coder mode. Like I'm just going to read lines of code for the next three hours. It's really thoughtful of letting me transition of, hey, you used to do things like this here in Web 2. Here's how we're going to do this here. And here's the, the similarity and that transition. So that's cool. Yeah, Was like Rust is a little bit of change for me. Like first, I come more from uh, your first JavaScript time, node uh, you know, using Rust. PHP background. But awesome. I, well, that's good the, to hear. The, yeah. The tutorial um, doing, they do have pointing like, really, you to, really great. I feel so much more comfortable and, and, in that uh, transition than I did with any other language <laughs> or any of my, other protocol. Some of my code, like oh, on the JavaScript side, not the Rust side. Well, I mean, I guess if you if you're looking at like some sample contracts, you probably have bumped into some of my stuff. Yes. But um, uh, my yes. my stuff was more like kind of after the tutorials, like like now you know like you've done a few kind of hello world tutorials. You want to actually build stuff. My my yeah. examples were always like more full full blown, full fledged. Um, yeah. But uh, going back to the docs, uh, I'm in the like I'm like the cookbook stuff, like that. That was me. I pushed to get that in there, like. Because people mm. just want to jump in and they just want to grab snippets. Uh, it's been clean. It's been cleaned up since. It's yeah. been cleaned up by by Josh Ford, who's um, he was running DevRel since uh, since the rest of us sure. abandoned ship uh, to start to start the NFT thing last year. Um, but that's great to hear, and I I always yeah. I, I do like to hear that, and I think that oh, awesome. uh, yeah. I think that developer experience is is paramount yeah. when it comes to uh, when it comes to making yeah. a transition. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, so w- what's kind of next for you guys at Proximity? Are you guys just besides just building? Are you I saw that you guys are getting involved with things like marketplaces like few and far. Is that through proximity? Or is that through something else? That's a great question. So that's a that's kind of a twofold thing. So I just joined few and far as an advisor. Um, I mean, this is a very uh, it's a it's a great relationship, great team. I, I really got along with them. Um, how I got started talking to them is um, uh, I do I do some technical due diligence for uh, for near venture funds. So there's uh, there's a number of funds uh, that are basically investing okay. in the near ecosystem, and they want to know if uh, especially if they're building on near native uh, like the near native VM, uh, which few and far is. They want to know if this team, you know, has the chops and can, you know, will will be able to actually mm-hmm. get it done, you know. Um, so I met the team and was super impressed, and we got along. Like we actually went over on the call for um, for probably about forty five extra minutes, and we just we just kind of, you know, we we there was a there was a clicking there, and so few and far just really quickly, people can check them out, you know, yeah. few and. Um, I actually right, right. have to make sure I know the URL. Yeah, it's fewandfar.xyz. All these cool, uh, cool TLDs <laughs> people have. It's uh, fewandfar, fewandfar.xyz, and also you know, uh, I think fewandfar on Twitter or fewandfar NFT on Twitter, something like that. But you'll find them pretty quick. They have great, and I'll link it in. <laughs> yeah, please do. They have great branding. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be mixing. Um, sort of NFTs and DeFi and, the, and they'll they'll undoubtedly they'll have some sort of uh, community management tools and DAO stuff for for creators. And I love that because I think that um, I think that creators need more more tools and more things so that they can basically control uh, their communities. Um, it, it's great that a lot of people are launching NFT projects and it's great that they're um, it's great that they're I mean 
that they're that they're taking their artwork and getting it out into the world and actually seeing some income from it. But there's many, many, many diff, uh, problems here in the space, right? There's obviously everyone is just kind of cloning 10k PFP drops and things like that. Um, there's, I mean, there's there's rugs and scams. I, I'm not even talking about that those problems. I'm talking about the actual problems with sustainability, right? So mm, the sustainability yep. of that community and the 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 upgradability of the NFT and like you know what like if that artist uh, doesn't want their NFT just to be you know flipped and dumped and kind of like you know floor prices uh, even follows you know some sort of like kind of crypto FOMO kind of hype cycle stuff and, and what we want to try to figure out is we want to try to figure out a way away from that and I think the few and far guys have that kind of in their mindset that we're looking at sort of sustainable income for uh, for creators, for communities, it's great. It's it's a uh, it's a really cool. Um, yeah, it's a really cool approach. It's still early days, but I think that, uh, like I said, you know, I was really impressed with the team, and I think they they even if they just make a little nudge in the right direction, I, I think it's a it's a meaningful contribution to crypto overall, and uh, and I'm really excited to to hang out with them. Now, how does proximity get involved? Uh, it's kind of funny because I'm like double dipping, right? Like I'm like, I work at proximity, I write code, I work on these like little, yeah. uh, you know, like kind of R&D initiatives like this MetaMask integration. But uh, we also get involved uh, as proximity um, in sort of like providing projects with uh, with liquidity. So we obviously know all the, the liquidity and market maker kind of providers and stuff in near. And, uh, and projects, you know, when projects first come out, they need liquidity and stuff like that. So teams, teams will talk to proximity, uh, from that perspective. Um, and also just in general, uh, you know, the proximity team is in, is in so many group chats with so many amazing, uh, near projects and like the ones you mentioned before, you know, uh, Metapool and all that stuff. And, and they bounce stuff off of us all the time. So we, they say, Hey, you know. There's a couple of new uh, DeFi projects um, that just recently launched on Aurora, uh, Origami and Bastion. Yeah. And they're very exciting. Um, and they're really, really good teams too. Um, we, lo like, we love them and we, we, we have chats with them. We, we hang out. They say, hey, guys, we're thinking about putting out this blog post. Like, can you read it over? Like, double check. Like, does everything make sense? Right. And they ask us about the, the mechanics of... Uh, of you know things like doing uh doing like uh i don't know what you want to call it <laughs> there's so many weird like let's say doing a blank blank offering or a or a you know or a blank offering or whatever right sure. they ask us about the mechanics of all of this and and we we give them feedback uh not financial advice not legal advice but we just give them our our feedback and we say cuz we've seen like a lot of this stuff um since you know since back in the day um i think most people uh yeah most people on the proximity team have been in crypto since uh for a minute as the kids say you know so we we've <laughs> yeah, seen a lot yeah. of this stuff and we're and we're we're rabid uh we're rabid consumers of uh most mostly uh defi now you know uh mechanics and stuff so we we chat with these teams and we give them feedback and they um and we sort of uh we sort it out you know and yeah. uh that's I, I love it. I honestly like I, I talk to people some like actually it's funny. I keep mentioning Ilya, but it's it, he's become like kind of a, you know, like a, a pretty 
pretty decent friend, if I can call him that, uh, you know, having, I've had dinner with him, uh, with a few other right. people, a small group, seven or eight people, you know, and, um, he's a great guy. And, uh, one of the things he said to me, which I just laughed so hard is he's, I was writing him a bunch of messages on telegram and he said, when do you sleep? <laughs> Cause I'm on, like, I'll, I'll post something on Twitter at like 12 and then I'll post yeah. something at like quarter to six in the morning. And uh, the the truth is, I don't sleep. I I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm really, um, and I, I actually just posted about this on Twitter yesterday. I'm in the metaverse, and I I consider the metaverse to be what we already all do. I, this podcast is the metaverse. Anything digital right. is the metaverse. Like, yeah, if you're listening to this congratulations, you are in the metaverse, you know, um, and, and all of this stuff. So yeah, I, I just, uh, I eat, sleep and breathe it. I love it. And, um, I, uh, I kind of, like, I kind of feed off it. Like I feed off the energy, the ideas and, um, and, and, you know, of course in our space, like we have, we got scams, we got rug pulls, we got look, people who are looking to make kind of short-term, short-term kind of sure. gains and stuff. And that's really unfortunate because, um, I, I don't know if you or your listeners can tell, but I, I really actually do believe in, um, you know, in, in personal choices and personal freedoms, uh, freedoms of, you know, not, not only of speech, uh, but, and, and sort of speech would be where we get our information from, you know, web one, web two information and the ability to create structures of information like web two, uh, you know, social networks and things like that, connecting people. But uh, I also believe in freedom of value and uh, and the flow of value and, and the exchange of value and the creation of value. So um, I, I'm not a full on like uh, libertarian. I, I feel that you know at the end of the day, people should um, people should pay pay taxes and have some sort of uh, public goods and collect collective right. kind of things. I wouldn't say I necessarily agree with like modern modern structures for that, but um, but you know it is. It is something that is a push and pull, and we're going to have to figure that out, how we have, you know, uh, kind of sovereign individuals, and then how we form collectives around things like, you know, roads, hospitals, schools, and, and things that we want to see in the public public space that are sort of shared public resources. So near is the first time. So the transaction fees are really low. And so it allows for a lot of like play, at least from my end, right? And I've been really, and Joe and I talk about this all the time, like, what is the, the next five years? What does an NFT turn into? with the Venn diagram of a DAO and community, right? Like you originally have like shareholders and like there's a very few really wealthy, like instead of one billionaire, I want to have like a hundred thousand people with $10,000, right? Like I like the idea of decentralizing profits. And I think near is the first time because of its simplicity to play around. Mm -hmm. It's allowing me to sort of think that next level. I'm really fascinated about what does the future hold with DAOs and NFTs and how it all works together. Well, and I think well you bring up a great point. So, so it's it's when it when it's cheap and low cost. Which which if we go back to 2017, it was cheap and low cost to send ETH. It was like 10 cents. It was like eight cents. I was showing this uh, to my friends and and family, and I said, imagine like imagine sending money across a border and it only costs like eight cents that's crazy right that's like insane and when you think about what that what that frees up and the possibilities there and then you know obviously it, it's pretty expensive um and, and but but that like we owe ethereum and just just generally we owe like the concept of like sort of like smart contract like smart contracts on a blockchain that sort of 
um, you know, that have no middlemen and no kind of no kind of coercion and corruption. Um, we owe that an, an incredible uh, debt of gratitude because it allowed us to experiment and get to where we are today. So now you you think about where we are today. We've got we've got fundamentally three different categories of crypto, and I. Like I hate buzzwords and names and taxonomies of, of things because I think they're all kind of crap. Like um, you know, but we have DeFi, we have NFTs, we have DAOs, and those are like the three big buckets that things fall into. Um, what I think is going to be happening going forward, and that's why I'm excited about my work at Proximity. I'm excited about advising teams like Few and Far. I'm excited about just generally. I I, I mean, I'm a I can't even mention them, but I've I've, ha- I've like had my fingers in and 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 just had DMs with tons of founders in the near ecosystem. What I'm really excited about is the the experimentation that will go on when we start when we when we again we go back to low fees and also speed and time, right? Because user experience is is paramount, right? When I don't have to actually you know, walk away from my computer and come back to see if something's successful like five minutes later, um, we can we can do very interesting things. Um, I'll tell you about one example in just a sec, but I just want to wrap up like with the experimentation. So I think what we're going to see is, and especially if we do, you know, if we go into like a, a bear market and sort of, you know, crypto loses favor in or or just world markets go down and crypto or crypto loses favor as a risk, uh, risk on asset in good times, then we will see a lot more building because a lot of stuff that came out of the, the last bear market um, was DeFi, was DAOs, uh, things like that. They, they were They were still being worked on and they were still being experimented with. So I think a lot of a lot more experimentation, a lot more crossover, and just looking at DAOs as an example, you you cannot expect people, um, you know, to to hold tokens and to to vote proportionally with those tokens on proposals and stuff when when they have to spend, uh, you know, in another currency they have to spend uh, like seventy dollars worth of this other currency. Uh, just to make their voice heard, especially if they're not going to get any any direct kind of uh, reward for that. Like if it's sort of a, if it's, you know, vote on this proposal and and maybe through some sort of indirect kind of second order effect, maybe, you know, my bags over here will pump. Uh, again, not financial, <laughs> not financial <laughs> advice. Sorry, I gotta I gotta stay away from the the, the price lingo, but, uh, but, but you guys yeah. get where I'm going with this, right? Like it's, yeah. You're gonna have a, a huge uh, kind of apathetic voter base. They're just not. They're just not gonna give a shit, right? And they're yeah. not gonna vote. Um, so I mentioned another uh, example. Like there were these. Uh, you know, how do you do randomness on a blockchain? Uh, like very secure randomness. Well, the most secure way is to basically do a commit reveal, where everyone comes in in round one, and they basically submit. Um, they submit a hash of some random number between zero and, you know, like nine quadrillion, whatever, right? Um, and they submit, but they submit the hash of that number. So you don't know their number, okay? And then they put a deposit and they say, I'm willing to bet $5, right? And a bunch of people come in and they, they commit their initial deposit. And then there needs to be a round Two, where everyone comes in and reveals what their chosen number was, 
And at that point in round two, all of the chosen numbers uh, that were that were of course hashed and not revealed in round one are are summed up in the smart contract and used as the randomness to declare the winner. They're used as the random seed to a pseudo-random function, which can of course run inside a smart contract. But what's the problem with running a pseudo-random function inside a smart contract if people are literally just coming to the table with their money and revealing their portion of the pseudo-random number? You know, it's public, the validators, the miners can get at you and all of this other bad sort of, it, it's actually, um, it's an early form of, of MEV, you know, minor extractable value, right? Where miners can block stuff, they can, they can look at your number ahead of time, they can submit a, a number that, that creates a random seed that suits them, uh, you know, right. better than you. And so commit reveal is a great experience, but what, what sucks about commit reveal? It's two transactions, right? Mm. And what, what also sucks about commit reveal is that uh, if you're using the Ethereum account model, like one account, you know, like, like one key pair, one account, you're basically going to have to sign and sign again, right? Um, so Near actually solves this in two ways. One, which you mentioned by being inexpensive, we can experiment with things like commit reveal, but there is also a second way it solves it. In the near account model, not many people know this. Um, one near account, so for example, you know Matt.near, uh, can basically have many key pairs associated with that account, and those key pairs can have a limited allowance, and they can be scoped to only calling particular methods on a on a particular smart contract. So in a commit reveal, uh, basically, you as a user can actually. Um, you can show up for the first time to the app and you can add a key to your account that will allow the app to, uh, to basically sign a transaction for your reveal step. Um, and then when, when you do your commit step, you're of course depositing near, so you, you should sign that. So you'll get redirected to the near wallet, but then you'll come back and then basically you'll, you'll wait until everyone's finished the round one. So you're kind of playing a multiplayer multiplayer game here. Let's let's call it what it is. You know, you're probably at a gambling table, right? Um, so, yep. so everyone's right. depositing, and then you wait, and then basically there's there's the reveal step. But the best part about this now is that the application that you signed into and, and added that app key to your account, that application has the secret key to actually issue the transaction for the reveal step. Now, now that sounds kind of scary, but usually the application just stores it in local storage or in the app sort of state, you know? And sure. uh, and it's not like, it, it's not gonna do any harm. It's basically just gonna call, it's gonna call reveal with your actual number uh, after, you know, after round after round one is complete. And basically everyone basically can, can kind of just do round two like that and without having to be redirected to the near wallet. So this makes things like commit reveal very, very cool. So yeah, I mean, low fees, a you know a superior account model with uh, with with kind of scoped key pairs uh, to produce you know to sign transactions that are scoped to particular accounts uh, at receiving those transactions and particular methods even inside those accounts. It's really great. Like there are so many things that we can experiment with near protocol just based on that. And then on top of all that, you know, we I mentioned before we kind of have our own like ENS built in because we have human readable account names as well. So it's really cool. I'm very excited for the future. And uh, 
and it's it's really a it's really awesome. Yeah, this is so cool, man. And like the tokenomics, I also think the low cost of near for liquidity pools and all that kind of stuff. Like if I can dip in and out of liquidity pools and try to get out of like some impermanent loss and stuff like that, I don't know if anyone's cracked it yet with tokenomics. So, and I'm hoping few and far gets into that with their tokenomics. Cause like the second they do an airdrop and people can like basically flip for near and create a profit, especially on a global scale, one near in one country is different than the value of one near in another. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know, like at one, I love the idea of the globalization of it, but two, it's like five near in one place, five near in another. One person is absolutely going to flip it because the value of that's so much higher. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it will make more efficient markets. Shout out to the Aurora team. So I've been doing, I've been doing, since I kind of joined Proximity, I've been, I've been having to learn the ropes. So I've been doing some DeFi on uh, Aurora. Um, there's, there's obviously DEXs like Tricelaris, WannaSwap. There's, uh, there's, um, there's Origami and Bastion, which I mentioned before, um, which are very fun. They're, those are lending protocols. So you can deposit and you can borrow and things like that. Um, I have been going absolutely bananas. I don't know how many times I've signed an Aurora mainnet network transaction. I started with one whole solid ETH in the account. I am now at 0.9997 ETH. And that's incredible. That's, that's amazing. And I think I'm at, like, uh, I gotta be up in the... I got to be up in the, the the 40s or 50s of transactions on this account. And and that's crazy, yeah. right? 40 50 transactions. And these aren't these aren't trivial transactions. They're I'm going in and out of contracts and and I'm doing stuff. Like I'm actually um like I'm actually doing some uh, some pretty heavy solidity, you know, solidity code execution at this point. So Shout out to the Aurora team. It's amazing. The experience yeah. is uh, is pretty much flawless. And shout out to all those yeah. other teams that are that have taken the plunge and they're building on on Aurora. the The TVL numbers kind of kind of speak for themselves. They've been going up really yeah. really fast and really hard, and they're pretty sticky. Like they've been staying they've been staying up. So uh, I'm really proud of uh, really proud of what's been accomplished there. Hey, and guys, I don't know if you can give me like just a sec to also say. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things. I know it's not political and stuff, but obviously we have this this war going on uh, between the Ukraine and Russia. And I just wanted to say, like, uh, there's um, there's actually something I'm gonna have to find the URL again because I I uh, donated a while ago. But uh, it's Unchained.fund. If you go to Unchained.fund, I think I think that's the one that we're on. Yeah, you can donate your near. Uh, if you scroll down to the bottom and there's, there's a whole bunch of chains there. Um, so just a shout out unchained.fund and also my own personal journey with this whole war has been, I don't want to make it all about me, but it's, I just want to share how hard it's been to, to know that, um, a large uh, number of, uh, of members in the near community and, and the Aurora team, for example, are, are basically they're stuck. They're in limbo, and yeah. this is really scary uh, because um, you know I met a lot of these people. I've talked to them face to face. I've coded with them for since I started at Near so for a couple of years now, and it's it's just scary. It's really sad, and it's sort of like it's something that um, I don't know. It's something I'm I'm just I'm praying for like a like a an, a 
quick resolution um, or just, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really want a Russian resolution, but I want a, I want stability, right? I want stability, yes. um, Absolutely. you know, for, for everyone who's affected by this, but, but, uh, but close to my, you know, close to my heart would be these people. So yeah, check out unchained.fund. Uh, and if you, if you feel like, you know, throwing a hundred bucks or something, just do it. And, uh, it goes to a good place and it's, uh, you know, it, um, even Ilya, who is, uh, of the Ukrainian, uh, origin and stuff was, was deeply involved in a lot of these initiatives and stuff. So, uh, so we know it's good. Uh, yeah, we know great, it, yeah. we know it's coded up. It's legit. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also really amazing that we can do that nowadays. Right. Just like, and I'll put a link in the show notes and everything for sure. It's phenomenal. Yeah. How fast it happened. It was just, it was, yeah. it was yeah. up and there was like over 2 million in there. And like, it just, it just went over, like it went super fast. Yeah. It's very, very impressed with the crypto community as a whole coming together and making this happen. Yeah. And that's kind of maybe a good way to sort of wrap up this thing is like talking about the near community, because I've been in quite a few communities or, or like, you know, I've, I've been around and seen different communities and the near community for the most part, like there was a, a rug the other day and it got on the radar and someone went to the discord and it like flew around the whole ecosystem and people kind of backed out. I was like, whoa. We're calling rugs now, like in real what time. What was the? Uh, do you mind dropping the name, like uh, here on the podcast uh, of the of the rug? Yeah, because I, I was it was it uh, near 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 nodes. Was it? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, near nodes is the one that was recently exposed. Before that was Baby Fox. Yep. Near, but, but near nodes was the one last week. Yeah, because I I saw a lot of buzz about near nodes and unfortunately like well fortunately and unfortunately i don't have the time to like get into all these things so they kind of fly by on twitter yeah. but uh, i guess it's fortunate that i that i never really got involved in that one i did see some uh some sassy tweets about near nodes uh probably like over a week ago so so I think like the uh, the cracks in the the cracks in the foundation and the, in the psyops we're, we're starting to show <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah yeah but uh, that's that's unfortunate but yeah tell tell me about the community response and how how they kind of rallied around it and and sort of like I guess unpacking the the post rug <laughs> yeah Joe maybe you could because we were you know you get on enough NFTs you're in Discord and I I was just in one Discord and someone's like hey we're looking into this just FYI and I mean it went from Discord to Twitter to out within ten minutes at least and I was like Joe did you hear it and he's like yep. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, being in like multiple discords from different like NFT projects, it's amazing how fast it it the information moved. I saw it in one discord, and then I was pinged as an announcement in like three others within minutes. And part of it, I think, obviously, is now that the near community is still so small, so it's a lot of the same people in the same projects everywhere. But just the fact that, and it wasn't just like, hey, I think this is a rug. Like they showed proof. They were like. Oh, yeah. You know, this person said this. And if you look at this account and I think in just the fact that people were making sure that everyone felt safe and then they were trying to make sure that people, if they already were maybe buying to like try to like let them know, like, hey, like, don't buy any further. Let's try to stop it now. And everyone seemed to be looking out for each other. Even the other day, like there was this uh, someone got scammed on Paraz for their Mara. Um, because of the issue with the decimal point versus a comma. So obviously some countries. Oh, yeah. I saw that one too. Wow. Yeah. But like, and that's a terrible thing. Not much you could necessarily do. 
but at least the community though all came around it and was like you know let's not buy from this person what can we do you know the mara team jumped in and to see all of that is great i mean it's unfortunate that's so much money lost but that's at the same time though i loved how quick to action everybody was to come in defense of another near user right i mean it's just it's a it's a tough one like uh like i going back to what i said about you know people being able to to uh to be sovereign and be in control of of creating value and exchanging value that also obviously comes with just tremendous risk uh i you know in order to explain all of this to like my parents for example i have to tell them that it's um that it's scary, that it's dangerous, and that there is no bank of Bitcoin. Like you can't, you can't call anyone and be like, "Hello, hello, Bitcoin." Like uh, right. I, I made a mistake, you know, wrong address, right? Um, there, there's just nothing like that. So it's, um, yeah, it's a whole new world. Um, and in some, in some, in some cases, and in some senses, it's it's a wild west. Um, and it's, uh, it's. It's just it's just the way it is at right now, you know. And I, I think we can we can continue to improve technology. We can continue to improve technology, but at some point, uh, you know, crypto is still a car. It's like something that gives you incredible freedom. You can you can drive it anywhere, you know. Um, but you don't have to obey the rules of the road. You can drive it off road. You can drive it into a. You can drive it into a lamppost. You can. You can load right. it up with a bunch of people and, and you can get drunk. And, uh, and you right. know, it's just not, it's not exactly, um, it's not exactly the car's fault that, uh, that it crashed, you know, and they're right. putting, you know, they're putting all sorts of stuff on cars now, you know, sensors, eventually the car's just gonna, you know, if the car's doing something really weird, it'll just shut down. And, and, you know, I think that because crypto, like I was talking about, you know, I'm using this car metaphor, that's hardware. It's very difficult to iterate on hardware. It's very difficult to include thousands of dollars of sensors and AI in a car. But the, the thing that we can do as a crypto community is we can iterate on our software. So, you know, mentioning this comma versus decimal uh, thing with Paras, you know, we can, we can overcome that by just releasing a new front end, a, a new version. Right. It's, it's just quick, you know, we can, we can iterate. And that, that I think is the, the speed of software and the speed at which we can actually improve our space and our ecosystem and our tools that we use to create and exchange value is, is tremendous. And that's why we've seen such growth and such interest in, um, in the crypto space. Yeah. Well, to me, it's like so um, indicative of the near community, right? Like, you know, take an hour of your time and talk to us. Well, I'm also, I, I just want to preface, I'm sitting on the shoulders of giants because when I joined Nier, there were already like 30 people and, uh, and most yeah. of them were devs and uh, is a very, is a very nerdy, very headstrong team at just getting to mainnet. But uh, yeah, jumping in before mainnet and being kind of a guy who's like, uh, definitely, you know, I'm, I'm a dev, I'm a builder, I love to create things, but I'm also, I love to talk like this and I love to, you know, I'll get up on stage, I'll wear the t-shirt, I'll go rah, rah, rah. And uh <laughs> You know, and, yeah. and, and that was sort of, you know, that was embraced in, in you know, my role uh, when I did DevRel. And I'm, I'm utilizing some of that um, with, uh, with the Proximity Labs uh, job in that sort of, I spend half my time kind of super heads down doing my own kind of special projects uh, that, are, that are useful for Proximity and the entire near ecosystem. 
but I also divide my time uh, with basically um, sort of, you know, uh, like BD stuff, technical due diligence, talking to projects, uh, you know, making sure we support them uh, on across a number of different things. It's not just about, you know, it's not just about liquidity. It's not just about uh, social, like social, social liquidity. I don't know. I just, yeah. I just coined that, <laughs> yeah. you know, like followers and, and community and stuff. It's about, it's about supporting those projects from their overall general kind of strategic kind of point of view. And, you know, are they, are they making mistakes that we've seen before and things like that? So yeah, I, I love it because I get to kind of, I get to talk to people uh, and really solve problems. Um, and then I also get to, uh, I get to basically do my heads down dev stuff. So you got, yeah, you guys saw me on a, on a Twitter space and then, yeah. uh, you guys have like a J and J thing going on by the way, too. Um, yeah. so you saw me on a Twitter space and I, I was there with Jordan who's at star pause, great handle. Um, yeah. so Jordan brought up one of my pro it was a, it was a near NFT space. He brought up one of my projects that I did last summer as a as a side project as a solo kind of fun thing i was working in near devrel and i thought to myself we really need a great example of a full-blown nft you know mint nft market um that has to do with generative nfts or dynamic nfts and what i created was this generate thing where you can write code that creates um images it basically can do anything where code can be put inside an iframe. Um, so iframes are like these little websites inside websites. And basically you can write some JavaScript code and then whatever you write, I mean, hopefully it leads to a visual will be displayed in the iframe. And then you can parameterize the code itself so that when people come by and they want to mint a new NFT, they, they can choose some uh, some values uh, or, you know, as devs say, arguments to the parameters at the time of mint. So they're choosing, for example, a background color, red. I want a red background color. And then they decide to mint that. They can never change the background color. And what's great is that the next person that comes and mints one of those NFTs in the series cannot choose red. And so you have to choose a different color. And that sort of creates that that scarcity around the NFT set. So you can do like, hundred NFTs and they will all have a unique background color. Now, what about other attributes that the owners can change if you own the NFT? So if I own it and I, I have some setting, uh, you know, let's use, let's use foreground color, just as people will be able to kind of picture this, there's some foreground color, maybe it's the, the color, you know, the background was the sky and the foreground is the mountains or something, some hill, some grassy hill. Let's say my foreground color was green, but I, as an owner, that's actually an owner parameter. I can change that because I own the NFT. So I changed the foreground color of my green hills to, I bought it from, from Jared. Jared had set it to blue, blue background and green foreground. Blue at the time of mint cannot be changed, but green, uh, if you're an owner, can be, can be changed. So he sends it to me and I set it from, from sort of a dark green to a light green. So that were that those were the owner parameters uh, that basically owners of the NFT can actually uh, continue to change to their heart's content until they transfer the NFT to somebody else. So you could see that uh, collectors can actually uh, can actually participate in the art, right? 
So that was that was the idea behind generate. You know, a little snippet of code. You can have these fixed uh, minting parameters that basically will be the values will be solidified at the time of mint and they can never be changed. And then you can have these owner parameters. So you could do all of that inside generate. It's on testnet right now. Um, I have to find it. It's near dash apps slash uh, github.io. Uh, no, sorry, near dash apps, github.io slash grn8. I'm literally typing it in. Oh no, and that's not it. Uh, well, we'll find it, we'll link it up. <laughs> Sure. Don't follow yeah. that one. That one leads to a rug, a rug pull. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you you guys caught me on there. Jordan mentioned it because he, I was collaborating with him as sort of an idea guy and a guy that's seen tons of uh, really cool NFT projects. And I was asking him about feedback on the UX and and sort of what 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 features should I include? And you know, we had a great time chatting about that, and he's really excited about it. Now, unfortunately, just like going all the way back to my East days, I just didn't have the time or the bandwidth to launch the actual project on mainnet and support the community around it. So I actually put out several calls on Twitter. I said, hey, I want people to um, I want people to uh, to launch this. You know, I want I want somebody to steal my code and I want them to put it out on on mainnet um, and, and still kind of, you know, to this day, nobody's really kind of ran with that. So I hope it's been a good example and I hope people have been able to learn from it. Um, I also do hope that somebody does make a full-blown, uh, you know, dynamic or generative, whatever you want, uh, you know, NFT project on Near. Uh, I, I just saw um, a couple of people uh, uh, were mentioning a one called, uh, I'm not, I'm going to forget. Is the it name. Dino Troop doing the glitch event? No, that's but it. that's cool. Send me that. Yeah. That one's pretty cool. You like take so your attributes and you burn stuff. You evolve stuff. I've been doing that last last night. It's that's cool. rad. I, I love. I love like. I also really love like burn mechanics back into an NFT that can actually yeah. change an NFT. Love that stuff. Like going all the way back to hash masks and the whole like you know get your name tokens and then burn your name tokens to change the title of the artwork. I love it. Um, right. nice. So that's cool. So send me yeah. that. But there's another one called uh, 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 Sarah or something like that. It's a four letter name and their logo is like a black a black square with uh, with the one, two, three, four letters. Um, but they, they are doing these cool generative NFTs. I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, and so, I don't know, maybe we can find that later and, and link it up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So even a guy like me, who's like morning and night on on Twitter and Discord and Telegram and looking at all this stuff, and totally plugged into the near ecosystem, there's there's so much stuff that happens in near that I literally like I like almost my neck snaps off. I go, what? Like like you just said, this, what what's it called? Dino NFTs? It's a Dino Troops. Dino Troops. Yeah. I just, I just don't know about it because there's so much stuff happening. I just can't yeah. keep up. And that, that actually, I remember the sensation that that happened, that happened a while ago for me. It happened, uh, you know, it happened six, six to nine months ago. I just was like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And even the Aurora, especially Aurora, Aurora just took off. And I didn't even so know, fast. I don't know. I don't know how to deploy stuff on Aurora. I don't know how to build on Aurora, even though I know ETH, I, I, I think it's yeah. I think it's very very easy, but I've just I've never done it. I've never even tried it because I just haven't had the time, right? And the Aurora right. team has all the tool integrations and all this crazy good stuff, and I just 
I haven't had time to experience it, but I get asked all the time as though, as though I'm some sort of, uh, some sort of weird, (laughs) you know, weird godlike creature that could like, they could like know about everything in the near ecosystem. It's crazy. You'd have to be, you would have to be a God to know everything now because it's just moving so fast and there's stuff coming out all the time. All right, guys. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And, uh, you know, if you're if uh, you guys are obviously bullish about the near space, but if your listeners are, were curious and weren't bullish before, I mean, I hope you're bullish now because it's uh, it's a great time to it's a great time to get involved as a builder, especially it's a great time to get involved. Uh, I didn't mention there's grants. There's, you know, there's grants from the near foundation. There's grants from Aurora. If you want to do uh, EVM solidity, if you know EVM, if you know solidity, if you know Ethereum. And you just want to launch your project on Aurora, uh, talk to them. Like uh, it's very easy to get um, to get approved for a small grant. Just get your wheels spinning, and then usually, yeah. usually, if you if you get some traction, get some community, and get some get some actual numbers up, like some transactions and volume or whatever it is that you're measuring, uh, you'll get you know you'll get a follow on grant. So uh, same thing with if you're doing DeFi on either either aurora or near native talk to the proximity team um reach out to me dm me if you're doing things on near native go to near foundation for a grant it's it's awesome there's so many uh, avenues to uh, to learn about near uh through the amazing education initiatives uh sh- shout out to sharif who runs uh near edu and uh and all the docs and stuff but also just uh you know, like there's, there's great, I think there was just a big hackathon, um, with like a million dollars worth of prizes. That's another avenue to kind of get your, your project bootstrap. So much stuff, so much stuff. So there's lots of, uh, lots of ways to get started and lots of ways to, um, to get involved in the near ecosystem and community as well. There's, I I can't tell you how many projects in the near ecosystem reach out to me and say, Hey, do you know about a, a good community manager or a good technical writer. I mean, we're we're trying to kind of compile um, compile a lot of talented people. We want to bring them over, designers, UX people. We want to bring them over from Web two, and we want to get them going uh, inside near. That's great. That's great. All right. Anytime. Yeah. Oh, well, have a great day, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it, and uh, and really had a great time chatting with you. Ready Layer One is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. Or otherwise, based on any of the information presented in this podcast, without undertaking independent due diligence and consultant and consultation with a professional broker or financial advisory.